The Trek Files, Season 7, Episode 2, A Letter from Business Affairs, 1975, and Lunch Notes, 1986. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Welcome back, Star Trek fans. Hey, all you Star Trek historians, all you canonistas, I say that lovingly, all you, yes, even you tech heads too, we love you. Of course, all of you Trekophiles spelled with an F. We've got a wonderful show today. A first time guest is joining us today. We're going to go, well, you know what? We're going to span several eras of Star Trek history. So here's what you do. If you don't know the drill, if you're new to the show, Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Trek Files. We're the only podcast that gives you homework. Well, digital homework. You can find our document of the week there. This week we have two. Check that out. Read along with us. Here's an audio sample. And then I'll be right back with this week's guest. Discussion of the sets. Should we rebuild the bridge, etc.? How expensive? Can there be two-part episodes in syndication? Halfway through the season, we should rerun the two-hour opener to give us a break. Stages 12 and 14 are penciled in for us. Discuss security briefly. We need it. All right, Trekophiles, I am so, so eager to dive into this. We've got a real mixed bag if you check out our documents. I'm calling it everything from, um, you know, office paper clips to uh, the roots of TNG. <laughs> and the common thread between those two memos and many, many more from the seminal years of Star Trek is today's guest. I am so thrilled to have her with us. She is an author in her own right, Star Trek and otherwise. She's been a teacher. She is a, 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 a well, she's a force of nature. <laughs> she's Susan Sackett, Gene Roddenberry's longtime executive assistant. Susan, it is so great to have you on the Trek Files today. Thank you so much, Larry. It's uh, great to be here after all these years. <laughs> well, Susan's been saying, oh, it's been so long, I don't remember things. It's amazing what happens when you grease the wheels. And that's what I love about having our documents and our and our paperwork here every week is it's it's cool to see these snapshots in time back. And uh, let, me, let me just start off, ask you real quick, Susan, how did you and Jean meet? How did you get the job? Um, through a mutual friend of mine, Fred Bronson, who later became mm -hmm. my writing partner. Um, I knew him from the time I worked at NBC and I was out of work. I had had a minor auto accident and I was unable to go back to my NBC job. And um, he introduced me a couple of times. Actually, I had met Gene at a, at a con that B. Joe Trimble gave in, I think, 1972. And then I, I met him again on the set of the Questor tapes. Um, and Fred, Fred was the publicist for, from that. Mm -hmm. And I think that was like maybe 73. And our yeah. paths crossed a few times. And so um, I was out of work. He was uh, losing his assistant 
he wanted to go back to Warner Brothers where he could get his pension. And I thought he was nuts. <laughs> and uh, so I, I called up and originally um, Majel was looking for somebody to work at Lincoln Enterprises. And then when she saw my resume, she said, you, you really ought to call my husband, which I did. And uh, I went in for an interview. It was his birthday, which was, um, I guess, fortuitous. And um, he was eating wow. yogurt and uh he took my resume and he stuck it in his desk drawer and he never read it we just chatted and and i guess he decided i was uh brilliant no <laughs> um <laughs> that i would work out and patient maybe he yeah. said are you familiar <laughs> yeah really are you familiar with star trek and i said well i think i've seen it i was a huge fan but I didn't want to let that on. Right, so. right. See, that starts at an early... People have always been downplaying their fandom to get a job on Star Trek. <laughs> I know. That's, yeah. So this is 1974, I think? Correct, yes. Yes. August, yeah, yeah, yeah. August 19th, that was his birthday. Well, I, I was going to say that, uh, uh, easy to date. I was going to say that it's good to hear your version of the story because we've had Fred as a guest on, and he basically oh. said the same story, although you detailed it much better. Oh. So, <laughs> Well... It's all about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. No, it is. Today is, no, today no. is your time. Yeah, so, well, no. Fred's a good guy. He's, what? Um, so you? Uh, yes, he is. Yes, he is. I'm just. I'm just anxious to to jump in here because we did put two in because on one hand, as you said, this the the one from earlier from 1974 is so boring. But I wanted people to get a range of as the executive assistant. You know, there's the glamour side. Although you're just sitting in your office in. Were you in the Hart Building at the beginning? Where did you? Where did no, you the first the first building we were in was called Building E. Um, oh, they they okay. hadn't given them names, you know. The old Desilu buildings along the. It wall. was the old Desilu yeah. lot, the old RKO lot, and um, it uh, it had good memories for Gene and good vibes because that was the office that he had used um, during the original series, and so he was just thrilled to be back in that building. Um, and so that was our first, and he could park his car like right by the door of the office. I mean, they, you know, it's just uh, old memories, it's, I guess. So. It's the yeah. big things that are the little, or the little things that are the big things. Yeah. Exactly. But we're talking, so we're talking about the time when he was trying to do the, uh, or the, the PAX movies had just about run their course, but he was busy working on Quester. That's when you came to him, basically. Um, no, he had finished Quester. I just, I okay. met him. I, Fred introduced me to him. So that was another time that our paths crossed, but... Uh, no, that was already in the can, and he was working out of his home. And so that was where we first worked, rather than at the studio. And uh, eventually they said, oh, yeah, we're going to do Star Trek again, and we're going to give you your old office back. And he was just delighted. So I don't remember the exact date, but it was sometime yeah. in 1975 that we moved on to the lot. I was going to yeah. say, so did he hire you anticipating that things were going to ramp up with the movie, or was it just time for him to replace for an assistant? Or Oh, well, no, he didn't hire me because he knew he was going to need someone for a movie. He just needed someone to take over okay. secretarial at that time. Right, uh, and maybe even run Lincoln. And memos but, and, no, yeah, no, 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 yeah. nothing to do with Lincoln. I, I didn't. No, I mean, I mean, that was maybe an initial thought, but quickly bumped up to, as you said, right. No. So you got to move on to the lot with Gene when all that reopened up again. Uh, okay. Yeah, correct. So that okay. was uh, the first time we moved on to the lot, and we were there for the next um, 15, 16 years, I guess. 
Yeah. So, again, we think of the glamour side of this, but the reason I have the, the 70s, this, this, this exchange of letters here where they're arguing about office expenses, which is obviously not the exciting glamour part, but it's, it's part, of the, part of the day that took up your time having to do those mundane routine things. And the idea that you've got vice presidents of business affairs, and I guess this is Gene's um, agent at the time, Richard Zimbert. No, um, no, no. He wasn't no? his agent. No, no, no. None of these people. These are all Paramount people. Okay. They were um, executives, and they were arguing sorry, between Frank, them. Frank, look, it's ICM. That's the agent, right? Or um, I guess that's who who uh, Richard Zimbert at the time was was uh, saying. Here's what we're going to pay in expenses. He was the um, executive in charge of business affairs at Paramount, and his job was to um, pinch pennies, you right? Know, and um, and what is that other term that people use? <laughs> bean, bean counter. counter. Bean yeah. counter. That's yeah, exactly yeah, what yeah. I was trying to remember. Yeah. And that was his job. And, and uh, you know, he said he would pay for some things, but uh, maybe we'll hire somebody to do the fan mail. I mean, they knew they were getting a lot of fan mail, but that's not the place to cut corners. You have to stay in touch with your fan base. And so um, he, Gene, got copies of these somehow because they were not addressed well, there's one addressed to him, but the others were addressed mm -hmm. to the executives. And, uh, you know, they sent one to Gene at, at his home in August of 75. And they said, oh, you don't have to give up your office at Paramount. Um, but we don't want any expenses and certainly not for secretaries and whatever. He was just trying to get my meager salary reimbursed. It wasn't that much. And uh, yeah. um, but he he had a contract and there's a note on this uh, paper this copy that I, it's in Jean's handwriting. It's very faint. It's hard to read, but it says something contract um, S something mm -hmm. contract. And I don't know what he was thinking, but it's in his contract that he gets certain <laughs> things. And so he made a note. And uh, so this is kind of interesting because his little note is just contract. And yeah. So, um, well, again, this is not earth-shaking stuff at all in the big picture of Star Trek, but it's a good reminder of just all the mundane little things that, that he and you and the chain, you know, and the fact that this is two high-level <laughs> people talking about in his name over, yeah. I was kidding about the paper clips, but, you know, it's a, what they're going to reimburse and not do, and okay, we'll start up front, but we're not doing this. And, and they're, they're, the two documents in this one batch, one is from this July 75, then one is August... 75 and and I was looking at the big timeline and right, right about um, uh, uh, right in through I've got August 75 that his first script for the movie was rejected so this one where where it looks like he's asking about if he's gonna have to move uh, or vacate his paramount offices yeah um, I didn't know if that was happening in that time like if if someone's gotten worried about what now what the future is gonna bring and where things are and they're talking about writing versus producing and anyway it's just it's just some of those little you know the little things that fill the cracks of the day-to-day -day life that you have to put up with and worry about do you remember what was the mood like when the um it, everything was so exciting for him and for the fans and then his that first script the big comeback script is rejected do you do you have a memory of that time and he right. went through, all, all the crazy 70s started to unroll yeah, after that. No, he went through a lot of that. There was a lot of rejection, a lot of, of disappointment, um, you know, and they tried to, oh, we don't need Roddenberry because, you know, we know what to do with Star Trek. And, you know, they tried to bring in other people after that. And 
he wouldn't let it happen. He had he had the right to at least propose and um, write his own version because it was his baby. And uh, so you know, then he I think then he tried another one, and then they said, okay, we're bringing in these people. And that's what they ended up doing. And, um, you know, it was disheartening for him. The little House on the Prairie was upstairs. I don't know if anybody remembers oh, that yes. show. Yes. And um, I used to call it Little Horse on the Prairie because <laughs> one of one of the producers, their, their ceiling was right over our heads and you could hear us stomping around. <laughs> anyway, that's neither here nor there. But uh, Matt Jeffries yeah, think- worked on uh, Little House. The production designer from the original series, Matt Jeffries. Sure, sure, Matt yeah. Jeffries. Um, in fact, I met Matt Jeffries before I met Gene Roddenberry. It was because of Bejo's convention back in 72. <laughs> um, I had to go and get the blooper reel, and I had to go to his office. So our paths kept crossing. But anyway. It was it was faded. It was faded. Well, those 1975 documents are kind of amazing because, again, it's kind of the m- mundanity of it all. But we flash forward 11 years, and we've just covered an awful lot of ground from 1975 to 1986, and the world is completely different. And here in October and November 86, there's going to be a new TV series after all this time, finally 20 years. And, and people are excited, and the word is out to the world. And meanwhile, on the inside, there's this little bitty brain trust uh, that's, that's meeting. We've, been ta- we've talked about it before. We've had some of the documents out. But what's amazing are these... They're like your lunch notes from your lunch meetings when you all would brainstorm. I guess this is you and David Gerald and 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 Gene, I suppose. Who who was oh, yeah, no. and 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 Bob Justman? Was that basically it? Um, and eventually, David Gerald and and Dorothy Fontana joined oh, the Dor- group, uh-huh. and Richard Berman, who Rick Berman, who was at that time he was. Um, we thought of him as a spy, but he was really the studio executive <laughs> yeah. who was uh, going to be That's in charge of the project. And then he eventually dropped his affiliation as a studio executive and became a uh, member of the crew of the uh, behind the scenes people and producers and whatever. And um, so I was included because Gene and I would talk about this afterwards, but, you know, being a lowly secretary, which I was not, but mm-hmm. basically that's what I was there for, to take notes. So my instructions were uh, not to speak, really. Um, so I didn't, but I I would pull Gene aside afterwards and I would, I, I, if you see these notes, um, the memo from uh, 1986, you'll notice that there are no comments in there, except for on yes. uh, the first page where I, I I said that we wanted to talk out uh, or find out what um, matcha meant in Spanish because they were going to give uh, Tasha Yar what they right. what somebody decided was a um, a good strong name for a woman and she was you know macho is for a man maybe macho is for a woman so I asked my Spanish speaking friends I said what does matcha mean and they said it means nothing we don't use that word. There's a term that's mari matcha, and that refers to a gay woman, but it's not um, a description of you know being strong and whatever. So they dropped that. But that that was about my main contribution. I you know I took Gene aside later and said things like um, you have to change the opening of where no man has gone before. 
mm-hmm. to where no one has gone before. And that's my one claim to fame in the opening. <laughs> and, you know, he he would at first say, well, let me think about that. But he also appreciated my input. Um, and so, you know, all these great things that they were asking for, I could help out. They wanted a copy of the New York Times article. I don't, I'm not sure what was in that one from the day before the lunch. Um, they wanted a Who? conference room. Um, I, yeah, there's a I, Jeff in here. Is that Jeff? Jeff um, Haynes. He was a studio mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't exactly. remember exactly what he did, but he was, I, I call them studio men. Yeah, they're executives of, yeah. in yeah. charge of door openers or something. Who knows? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, all cheese well, I no love. Onions. I mean, these are such. These are. Su- I mean, these are all like again the very, very early days. You're just trying to get the the well-oiled machine was far from being that, and just things like, oh, let's go to Rob Bob Justman's house and uh, and right. look at computers we might use, or let's look at you know. Yeah. Uh, it's just. So you were like they had you there to be the secretary and take minutes. Basically, yeah. But yeah, but you and get were a doing... free lunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure, yeah. on the payroll. Um, no, it's just the, these moments are just amazing. We need a half-inch VHS VCR. We've had to request one through Jeff Hayes' office. There you go. I just, it's just, these are just the things that, as we think about the right. glory years of Star Trek and even the ups and downs, these yeah. are the moments that, um, these are the moments that are get lost. And I'm so glad we have these these documents and having your real life your real life memory here but now susan seriously this is like a you know this is a drop in the bucket to what we could talk to you about would you please come back and we'll get into some even meatier subjects here in, oh. a few, in our next episodes i'd be honored thank you oh oh thank yeah. you thank you i can't yeah. wait and i look forward to that because we got to talk about gene this is gene's centennial year and we've just barely that's started right. talking about gene. that's right yes yeah okay I look forward to doing that. Thank you so much, Susan. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Now, all of our documents and your chance to comment, please do, are available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek, that's me, and Portal 47 at larrynimichek.com. And hey! Have you checked out all the Trek Files new swag and shirts? At the Trekland shop at tpublic.com slash stores slash trekland hyphen shop. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.